Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you so much for tuning in through Spotify, iTunes, Podcast Addict. And if you're watching here on YouTube, please do not forget to click the subscribe button and the bell for continued notifications. You see that little reminder there down on your screen. Gearing up for prayer meeting this evening, so just wanted to come on here and do some do some kind of public brainstorming, uh, which comes with its own set of liabilities. But um, I've got things uh, decently outlined, I think. Um, we do a, in addition to our prayer meeting, we also do a... Uh, a short Bible study, and uh, I realize that short is probably a relative term, and uh, short for us is about 30 minutes. So um, do about a 30-minute Bible study Wednesday nights. Ideally, I can keep it under 30 minutes, but that rarely happens. There's always so much to uh, to look at to and to get to in the Scriptures, and tonight we're actually going to be looking at uh, Galatians 5.4, and in Galatians 5.4... Paul is in the midst of uh, kind of chiding the Galatians. Of course, the whole letter is kind of dedicated to uh, this rebuke, sometimes more explicit at some moments than at others, this rebuke toward the Galatian church uh, for their... And I'm sorry for the flickering. I forgot to turn my fan off. Got the fan on. Um, But he's rebuking the Galatian church for their return to... um, the uh, basically the return to the old covenant, trying to return to the Mosaic covenant, and uh, also in the spirit of the Judaizers perceiving that covenant as a a mode of uh, or a means of obtaining justification. So uh, Galatians five four, you know, with some other uh, things that we could say, comes to us within that context, and and in that text we read, "You have become estranged from Christ." You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Why has someone fallen from grace? Because they attempt to be justified by law. Well, if a person can be justified through their obedience to the law, then it defeats the purpose of grace. Um, So what I'm going to do in the Bible study tonight, and maybe some of you are watching by way of review, uh, what I've done at the Bible study uh, tonight, Lord willing, uh, is I am looking at three, I'm looking at the text under three points, and um, they're not tracking necessarily the the uh, the order of the text itself, um, but the three points are this, Christ is our saving covenant, number one. Number two, the law is a broken covenant. Number three, justification and its entailments. Now, point number one, I, I, I stress the point that Christ himself is our saving covenant. Uh, there are a couple places where uh, this becomes uh, very clear, but I think what is is best to do is to step back and look at, at kind of what's going on within the church uh, at Galatia. In the context of our text is that of the church of Galatia. The church was turning away, uh, as Paul says in Galatians 1.6, turning away so soon from him who called them in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He actually charges this church with uh, turning to a different gospel altogether, which is quite the serious charge. If you made that charge today uh, against um, uh, some church, especially more popular 
uh, mega church like uh, you know organizations and and even popular internet ministries perhaps you would you you would be told that you are uh, you are uncharitable that you are you know all manner of things you know you 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 really can't charge someone with with turning away to a different gospel uh, these days but here Paul is doing so because the truth of the matter is they were they were in the process of turning away from the true gospel. And the different gospel, in the case of Galatians, uh, as a letter, and especially contextualizing our, our text, Galatians 5.4, the different gospel appears to be a gospel of works justification. And the reason we know that is because Galatians 3.10 and other texts like it say this, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, why would Paul be using those words as uh, or in the midst of his rebuke against the church at Galatia? Well, it, it's, it could only be the case that the church at Galatia was was believing something to uh, to the effect of we need to obey the law in order to be justified. Why? Because Paul's using that as a rhetorical device to show them the folly of it on the basis of the Old Testament scriptures. And he cites here Deuteronomy 27, 26, which comes to us at the end of a, a very long uh, list of curses for abominable transgressions uh, of God's law. Uh, and all of the sins mentioned in Deuteronomy 27, which are accompanied by a cursing, uh, are transgressions of natural or moral laws. In other words, we're not dealing with transgressions of civil or uh, or ceremonial uh, laws. We're dealing with transgressions of things which are detestable even according to nature. Uh, things that all men know are kind of uh, summarized and and presented to us in this list uh, accompanied with curses in Deuteronomy 27. And it's just an instance, I think, of of the moral law being uh, adopted to within the Mosaic Covenant uh, or natural law, we might say. These are things that all men know according to nature, you know, going to Romans 2.14 and such. Um, and the last sin followed by a curse is the one that Paul quotes in Galatians 3.10 which is, cursed is the one who does not conform all the words, or confirm all the words of this law. Cursed is the one who does not uphold or, uh, or sustain or obey all the words of this, of this law. And Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 3, ties that language more closely to the Mosaic Covenant, says this, Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt. So there in Jeremiah 11, uh, God, through uh, through uh, inspiration, reveals that this cursing is is really linked to not not just laws as estranged from covenant or separated from covenant, but covenant law in specific. This was a covenant, the inclusion within which depended upon obedience to the moral, civil, and ceremonial laws given to Israel through Moses uh, on the day that the Lord brought them out of the land of Egypt, per Jeremiah 11, 4, and other texts in Scripture. So the Mosaical covenant obedience um, was inherently requisite to inclusion and maintenance uh, of the membership in Mosaic covenant society. 
it 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 did not justify a person before God. Now, I I don't want to be accused of thinking or saying that at any time in the Old Testament someone was justified before God through their obedience. There's no time at which we can say that that was the case, unless we're talking about prelapse Adam, who was responsible for uh, covenant obedience so that he could continue walking with God and not only walking with God but to obtain uh, an eschatology as well. Um, presumably. Um, but that's not what the purpose of the Mosaic Covenant was. It wasn't so that man could be uh, redeemed. It wasn't so that man could be justified. It was more or less uh, the case that Christ and the need for Christ was actually being revealed through the Mosaic Covenant. But in order to remain in, and there's a little picture of, 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 um, of Adamic faithfulness, because I think the Mosaic Covenant is a recapitulation of the covenant of works given from God to Adam. And in the Mosaic Covenant, there is a picture of Adam's relationship to God pre-lapse because the requirement is for covenant maintenance, obedience. And to the extent that Israel does not obey is the extent to which they forego their blessings. This is why they're often governed by other nations, like, for example, during the times of the judges. Uh, it's why they uh, uh, their kingdom ends up dissolving or being split apart. It's why they're exiled into Babylon. Um, all of these things befall them because they are in violation of God's covenant law, which comes through Moses and constitutes them as a political entity. Um, so the Mosaical Covenant is not, and obedience to the covenant did not justify a person in the sense of making that person right with God, but it did, quote-unquote, justify them in the sense that it made a person worthy to remain in the Mosaic Covenant. It didn't make a person worthy to be acceptable before God, but it did make them worthy to remain and maintain their covenant status within the Mosaical Covenant. Uh, and, of course, this even this worthiness of, of, of being in the Mosaical Covenant is shown as something that Israel could not, uh, could not persevere in. It's a worthiness Israel itself finds itself unable to uh, maintain, and we see that kind of consummate at 70 AD in the destruction of Jerusalem. But the trouble with the Galatian church is that they are treating the New Covenant like the Old Covenant. Right, that's what they're doing. They're they're treating the new covenant like the old covenant, and I think we can say that because Paul is actually introducing both covenants in in the letter to uh, to to the Galatian church, um, and the Galatian church has essentially fallen into the error of believing that their works of obedience maintain their new covenant membership. Uh, it's not just that they think that their works justify them. I think that's true as well because justification is a blessing in the new covenant, obviously. But I think it's I think it's 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 more expansive than that. It 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 actually uh, is I think more uh, enveloping than that. I, I think they're they're just treating the new covenant itself with all of its blessings and benefits as if it is merited by works. All right, so they're 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 mistaking uh, the formal and material cause of the new covenant with the formal and material cause of the Mosaic covenant, which it was uh, obedience and law, uh, and that's not the formal and material cause of the new covenant. The formal and material cause of the new covenant is promise and grace. All right, and um, 
And so they're, they're fundamentally making a law gospel confusion. They're thinking that the way into the gospel covenant and the way to maintain and sustain their membership in the gospel covenant is through their acts of obedience. So they're confusing the new covenant with the old covenant. They're confusing the gospel with the law. And Paul calls that confusion a different gospel. Now, one of the things that I think um, ends up alleviating this confusion, or at least it points us in the right direction, is, and you know what, I these aren't texts that are often cited, not even within um, contemporary conversation on covenant theology, but I think they're, they're texts uh, worth exploring some more. But Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49, I think, are extremely important and informative of how we understand the covenant of grace or the new covenant. Isaiah 42, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. And I think the Father is, is, is addressing the Son. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. And then several chapters later in Isaiah 49, verse 8, we read, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people, to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. Now, because this Christ is the covenant that is given to us, it, it that covenant has to be free and unmerited since a covenant entails both blessings and curses, curses conditioned upon obedience. If Christ just is the covenant, then Christ is the fulfillment of it all, right? So if Christ is the covenant given to us, then Christ is both the term giver and the term keeper, if we, we, we could put it that way. Christ definitely accomplishes what is required for the covenant, but he also definitely merits on our behalf, apart from our works, the blessings of the covenant as well. Um, and, and I think that, that that right there is the whole Christ. I think that when we start to say, well, the gospel is not enough. There's, there's, there's more we should do in addition to preaching the gospel. Or, or when we say that the, the effects of the gospel are procured by the labors of the church, I think at that point we don't have a whole Christ. We don't have a whole gospel because we are inserting our abilities, which even as Christians are always mixed with sin, we're inserting our abilities into the procurement of gospel benefits that should be, the procurement of which should be ascribed wholly to the Lord Jesus Christ apart from what we do. All right, so, so there's... These are that's a that's a way in which we might mix law and gospel as the Galatian church did. So Christ Christ is our covenant. I think that's extremely extremely important. Um now th I think that's probably all I'll do here. I've got more uh which uh will be hopefully taught at the church this evening. Um, from when I'm recording this, uh, if you guys, you guys are probably obviously not going to watch it until this evening is, is long over with. But um, if this is something that is interesting to you, if it fascinates you, if it's something that piques your interest, uh, please don't only subscribe to the channel, 
Uh, but if you are ever in town uh, here in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, I would encourage you to uh, visit us on a Wednesday night or visit us on a Sunday. And um, uh, if you if you live here, of course, you're welcome. But if you're passing through as well, you're you're also welcome. So anyway, uh, guys, hopefully this was helpful. Share it if you if you would like. Um, and if not, we'll see you next time. God bless.